Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Our guest in this edition of Radio Curious is Indigo Funk, a 2018 graduate of Ukiah High School here in Ukiah, California. Funk, who will begin his college career at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, in the fall of 2018, caught my attention when I heard him speak rather eloquently at the March 24, 2018 Ukiah version of the National Student March for Our Lives, organized here by Ukiah High students. When Indigo Funk arrived at the Radio Curious Studios on June 15, 2018, to record this interview, I asked him if he'd like to read Frank Bruni's op-ed column entitled How to Lose the Midterms and Re-Elect Trump that had been published two days prior in the New York Times. Bruni's article challenges the effectiveness of Robert De Niro's profanity-laced comment about President Trump, for which he received a standing ovation at the June 10, 2018 Tony Award ceremony in New York City. In his op-ed piece, Bruni shares De Niro's anger, but challenges his expression. He wrote, When you answer name-calling with name-calling and tantrums with tantrums, you're not resisting him. You're mirroring him. You're not diminishing him. You're demeaning yourselves. Many voters don't hear your arguments or the facts which are on your side. They just wince at the din. You permit them to see you as you see Trump, deranged. Bruni then posed the question, why would they, the voters, choose a different path if it goes to another ugly destination? When Indigo Funk finished the Bruni op-ed piece, he said he had just been thinking about that issue. So, we began our conversation when I asked him to share his thoughts. Even though I get in, have been getting engaged in these um, like speeches and rallies and walkouts um, where we chant very loud chants and um, express uh, hard, stubborn opinions, I think the way that my generation plans to combat what we see as injustice in this uh, country would be best through compromise and through a reasonable argument. Uh, like, logical debate where we don't resort to name-calling, um, we don't resort to uh, tribalism and more political polarization. So I gave a speech at the um, March for Our Lives, March 24th, to outline our issues and exactly what we were uh, so upset about. Uh, I do believe that it's very, very important not to villainize um, people who disagree with us because I've been seeing that all over the place. I, I don't know, of course. I'm only uh, 17 years old right now, but um, I've been learning through my high school uh, career by uh, living with um, people whose views are very different from me that uh, we're all human. We all come from different perspectives. And unless we... Uh, accept other people's perspectives and their conclusions, we aren't going to get anywhere. 
Well, let's talk about your perspectives and your impressions of having gone to Ukiah High School here in Ukiah, California, the home of Radio Curious. Um, And we should begin with school safety. What was the sense of Ukiah High after the uh, Florida incident at Parkland School? Right before uh, the March 24th um, March for Our Lives, that Thursday, we had a shooting threat on our school. Um, And so this thing that we had been hearing about in the news uh, so far away uh, was now very close to us and very personal uh, to us. And it turned out to just be a rumor. The uh, school administration tracked down the origin of it and disproved it. But that didn't matter because about half the school stayed home anyway. Did you stay home that day? No, I came to school uh, because I trusted the administration that they would tell us if there was an unaddressed threat. But it doesn't change the fact that the victims of school shootings extend far beyond those who actually get injured or killed. Thousands of people since Columbine have been in school shootings, and the psychological effects of of that are uncountable. Um, And then many more thousands have been uh, threatened by school shootings. Um, And the psychological effects and educational effects of that are also very adverse, and something needs to be done about it. What would you propose be done? <laughs> That's a very tough question. Um, there's a mix of solutions that, you, uh, that we all know about, we've heard debated endlessly, um, but the things that the majority of Americans agree on, such as universal background checks uh, on guns, to, so that no... Uh, and mandatory waiting periods. Just three days uh, is not a terribly long time to wait for to purchase a weapon. And it means that people can't, in a fit of anger, uh, go out and buy those guns and take lives in a matter of a day. In our community, there's a very high rate of gun ownership. Uh, people who have registered guns and people who don't. Uh, particularly of people who live in the very rural areas of Mendocino County, as opposed to the towns. In Ukiah High School, as you saw it, is there a difference of opinion among certain students who would agree with you that there ought to be a waiting period and background checks versus other students who feel anybody should have a gun anytime, anywhere? Um, There definitely is. There are uh, certainly... small group of people in our school who come from those rural backgrounds, um, who have grown up with guns all their lives, and are often ostracized from the rest of the school for their rural backgrounds, for their uh, program ideas, and they're seen as like the rednecks, the other, um, by a lot of the student body. And I personally have not uh, agreed with that. I think that it's a serious problem. Um, but the, the majority of students live in town um, and have more typically liberal viewpoints. That's why we had such large turnouts for the March for Our Lives and the walkout. Let's uh, shift to the Me Too movement. For the most part, uh, the Me Too movement has been different from uh, the gun control, gun rights argument in that basically everyone I've seen um, has been in favor of it. 
uh, I haven't uh, seen any uh, major opposition say uh, saying, oh no, everyone's being accused of sexual assault now falsely. Referring to the uh, young woman who was a valedictorian at Petaluma High School who graduated 2018, she had been sexually assaulted on the Petaluma High School campus. She went off script in her uh, talk, and the microphone was shut down by the school principal. What's your reaction to that? I'm honestly uh, appalled. I did hear about that, and uh, I'm very glad that our administration uh, at Ukiah High School is not quite so callous, but by the same token... Um, many high school administrations that, that I've seen can be um, un, unresponsive to the students' needs and uncaring of what uh, issues they're facing because they have to deal in the public school system they have to deal with so many uh, students that they become uh, almost um, factories for like uh, each student is a doll and they screw the heads on and then shift them down to the next worker in the line um, the next worker in the line would be the next grade up yep the counselors want you to graduate but they don't really care uh, which college you want to go to giving you um, information and uh, uh, having you understand all of your options and so I, I think it's the incident in Petaluma is a bigger problem in our public school systems uh, of seeing the students as less than uh, anyone else because we're young um, and disregarding our needs. Um, it's, a, it's a major problem when uh, there are so many that school becomes an assembly line. How do you think... Um the counselors at Ukiah High would react to that indictment that you just shared with us? I think that many counselors would disagree with that statement, but uh, the problem at Ukiah High School is there are six counselors to serve 1,700 students. And so, of course, uh, they can't spend very much time with us. And I don't really blame them for uh, rushing us down the track towards graduation. But uh, if we had more counselors, each one could spend more individual time with us uh, and understand our needs uh, with regards to learning and even things outside of the classroom that so many students can get no outside help for, for. What would some of those examples be, learning things outside of the classroom? Well, for example, trouble at home. I know many people who have had severe issues with domestic abuse. Um, Witnessing it or having been victims? Have, uh, victims of uh, abuse by their parents, by their relatives or anything. The school has no resources for that. They're, our guidance counselors are here to tell us how to graduate and not to counsel us through issues that can really set us back uh, and affect our futures. Because if you have to deal with um, domestic violence at home, you don't care so much about uh, getting the right classes. For You aren't worrying so much about getting the right classes to get into college and you don't have the time to look into and look through all your options, and there's no one to help you with it. 
If you were in a position to be able to address uh, teenage domestic violence from the victim's point of view, how would you do that? Um, I think that a solution would best come from someone who has been a victim of domestic violence. I have not. But uh, by the same token, helping people recover after the fact um, by hiring more guidance counselors to actually guide us and at the same time um, repealing the mandated reporter um, status because the mandated reporter status, in case you didn't know, is um, any teacher or any guidance counselor is required to uh, tell the authorities whenever someone is uh, says that they may uh, hurt themselves or hurt someone else or if someone else may hurt them. And uh, that policy is very well-intentioned and I'm sure it uh, was made to prevent these kinds of things, but instead it just keeps students from sharing their experiences and from getting help because they know that uh, if they share anything uh, that has anything to do with uh, the committing of any crime, they're going to get reported. And so they uh, are very careful with what they say around the teachers uh, and around the guidance counselors and then can't get help for their issues. In this edition of Radio Curious, we're visiting with Indigo Funk, who graduated in June of 2018 from Ukiah High School in Ukiah, California, and is on his way to Brown University. We're talking about uh, issues that concern high school students and young people, late teens and young adults, school safety, me too. You are listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Indigo, I'm interested in your thoughts about the role of social media, the role of social media within the high school unit. And among the students at uh, Parkland High School in Florida uh, who were quick to take a lead uh, as articulate young people, as well as going to Washington, D.C., but we don't see that so much in um, Chicago, for example. Social media can do these uh, amazing things in Parkland. Uh, it can start this nationwide movement, but without it, these things just don't spread as quickly because social media has become our primary method of communicating it, which, in my experience, is a good thing and a bad thing because... On one hand, you can advance these ideas, you can share rallies that are going on uh, in your town, and you can have these discussions. But on the other hand, sometimes they aren't discussions. Sometimes they're online screaming matches between uh, two tribes who spend most of their times in echo chambers and, whenever they debate, refuse to see the other side and refuse to compromise. Back to your question, in places of higher violence, with less active participation in social media, I think the violence becomes more of a fact of life. And so these movements don't spread like wildfire when you get used to them. Uh, and we can see that a little bit in uh, Ukiah too. Our crime rate is a lot higher 
than the national average, um, and we can get used to that. And we don't start these enormous movements to stop it, even if it is such a personally affecting issue. Are you registered to vote? Uh, yes, I'm pre-registered, uh, and I'll be voting in the November election. Do you find many of your colleagues have pre-registered? Most of my friends and peers uh, that I've talked to about it have pre-registered or, or registered to vote. And I think this generation, uh, you're going to see a lot more political advocacy because, and uh, a lot more voter turnout uh, because people my age, uh, teenagers and young adults, haven't had the determination and motive to worry about these issues uh, and advocate for them and vote for them en masse. But now, uh, with school shootings, it's affecting us personally. And this is the one issue where basically anyone you ask at my high school will have an opinion. Uh, and they will have a pretty firm opinion. Um, and so now I think we're going to see a lot more voter turnout uh, in November and in the future based on people who have become politically active through these uh, movements. So when you say... Um, a firmer opinion that identifies that the opinion that the various students would have is firm without regard to their point of view across the political spectrum they want to express that that opinion uh, yes so on one hand uh, of course uh, it's a good thing because like I said a lot of my peers that I've seen um, and if we can extrapolate that to a national level um, a lot of youth in general are going to be voting because they're passionate about this. But on the other hand, there's also more polarization, especially among the people that I know and my peers, because we believe that we've got it figured out. Indigo Funk, in terms of dealing with the problem of guns and the uh, safety it poses to people who don't have guns by people who shoot them, um, what do you see would be next for the gun control movement uh, to achieve its goal? Yes. I see the gun control movement as a very long-term thing. Even though it's spiked in popularity uh, in the recent months and then, of course, died down again, as all news stories do. Um, and even though legislation has stalled in Congress, um, I still have a lot of hope for... Um, the gun issue, and I see this as um, a very slow progression of uh, common sense laws that once uh, in the future, 10, 20 uh, years down the road, we'll look back and think, wow, it took us that long to do that one thing, but uh, it wasn't always like that, um, because that's how all other movements have been. Um, there were about 10 years from the time Rosa Parks sat down and, or uh, refused to get up from her seat uh, and spurred the Montgomery bus boycott between then and the passage of the Civil Rights Act in 1964. Um, so all of these movements, of course, take a lot of time. They don't happen uh, right away. And with an issue as tough as this, it can't be solved by um, a march and a walkout and a hashtag. But... Uh, the idea will stay strong, and I believe that um, the youth 
uh, and my peers are not going to let this go. Well, Indigo Funk, I'd like to talk a little bit about you. You have an unusual name. Tell us the background. Um, Basically, my parents were San Francisco hippies, and uh, neither of their last names are Funk. They just decided, we'll give him the first name Indigo and the last name Funk. And I've been used to it my whole life. I haven't really thought about it much, but it's a good conversation starter. Everyone I meet, they're like, wow, that's an incredible name. On first glance, you appear to be biracial. How has that experience been for you here in rural Mendocino County? Um, It's interesting. I have never, I don't think, experienced judgment or uh, prejudice based on my race. Of course, sometimes it's hard to tell. Sometimes there are gray areas. One time I was questioned by the sheriff's office, and they were more suspicious of me um, than I was expecting. But that might have been because of my race, or that might have been because I was young. Uh, In these cases, it's very difficult to say for sure what's happening to you and what's based on race and what's just a random circumstance. But I've never seen any uh, legitimate, definite um, attacks on me based on um, my race. And I'm actually triracial. I'm half Haitian uh, from the island of Haiti. Um, And then my grandmother is from Chile in South America. And my uh, grandfather on my mother's side is a white. So I've got three. Interesting blend. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know the cultural histories of your backgrounds? Um, Yes, I'm learning more about them every day. And I was just having a fascinating uh, discussion with my Haitian grandfather, who fought against uh, the dictator at that time, Papa Doc. At one point, he organized with um, Raul Castro to try to bring weapons into the country to overthrow Papa Doc. And he was warned at the very last minute not to try to um, go through with it or he would be arrested. And he has some amazing, fascinating stories about all the narrow misses that he had when living under a dictator. I think that some of that has inspired me to seek an active interest in politics and understand um, what makes governments work. Um, And I'm going to definitely be looking more into that uh, in Brown because I definitely don't want uh, America to have its own Papa Doc. On a state level, you have competed and won several positions as a public speaker for high school students. What promoted your interest in taking that role? The Lions Club hosted their student speakers contest, um, and I won at the state level for that. And to be honest, my mother forced me into that contest because there was a scholarship attached to it. Um, But as I went through the different levels of the contest, I realized that I liked going through uh, and researching and writing and uh, speaking. And even though I would get nervous, like everyone does, speaking on a stage and having everyone forced to listen to me uh, was very uh, invigorating for me. So I'm going to be looking into that, um, maybe even as a career, speech writing 
or politics or something in that vein. When I first uh, encountered you um, at one of the rallies here in, in Ukiah, um, you were giving a speech that captured the audience attention, but you appeared to have no notes. Um, yes, that was memorized. And uh, the speech that I did for the Lions Club was also memorized. How do you memorize them? Um, I've gotten experience through uh, our local theater, Ukiah Players Theater. I've done several plays with them, and um, memorizing lines there has uh, really helped me memorize speeches. It's Public speaking, i found, has a lot to do with theater. They are very similar. You memorize your lines, you overcome your stage fright, and then you get out there and... Uh, embody this persona uh, this persona and even in public speaking you're almost playing a part um, because you're acting as the confident person that uh, the audience wants you to be when of course you're just another human like everyone else well indigo funk i want to thank you for being with us on radio curious and before we close i'd like to ask you a couple of questions and one is about a eureka or an aha moment that changed your point of view of the world, perhaps your life? One moment that changed my personal perspective was uh, when I was sitting, listening to someone at a summer camp. There's so many people that just need someone to talk to and someone to help when uh, bad luck piles on problem after problem in their lives. Um... And I regret not focusing on that for uh, my short life so far. What would you like to do with the rest of your One Precious Life? I'd like to be able to change some people's perspective on some issue in a broad sense. I'd like to uh, be able to go into journalism or speech writing or some field where we can address these nationwide issues and personal social issues, maybe through my writing or through my speaking or something, broaden someone's understanding and, in turn, my perspective broadened by them. On a smaller scale, I want to be here for the people around me for the rest of my life, uh, whoever they may be. And finally, Indigo Funk, is there a book that you could recommend to our listeners? Uh, yes. I'd uh, recommend it was very popular several years back, um, The Short and Tragic Life of Robert Peace. Um, basically, it's about a man who grows up in, in Newark in the rougher part of town um, and all of a sudden goes to, the, uh, to Yale, an Ivy League institution. The difference between those two places that he has to straddle is incredible, but at the same time, there are a lot of similarities that the author can draw and that Robert Peace drew. In short, it's a very touching and really riveting portrait of this one man who uh, had his life in so many different circles and was able to unite them all. Well, Indigo Funk, thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. Thank you. Indigo Funk 
the winner of the 2017 California Lions Club's Statewide Student Speaker Contest and a 2018 graduate of Ukiah High School, begins Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island in the fall of 2018. The book Indigo Funk recommends is The Short and Tragic Life of Robert Peace, a brilliant young man who left Newark for the Ivy League by Jeff Hobbs. This program was recorded on June 15, 2018. Radio Curious has over 600 archive editions on our website, radiocurious.org, with new editions published regularly. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. The phone is 707 462 6541. Christina Onestead is the assistant producer, and I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.